0: Hi, this is Tim Ackesie from Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is entitled The Anatomy of the Speech Block. And I want to give credit to the great John Harrison from California as I borrow this title. And I'll mention his book as I go on today. The Anatomy of the Speech Block talks about The three components of a moment of blocking. You have a before, you have a during, and you have an after. I'll get into all those. This conversation really came up when I learned of a movie called When I Stutter. And I reached out to John Gomez, the director of When I Stutter. It's a movie that I hope you've seen, and you can look it up at whenistutter.org. I was in Tennessee in around 1990 and I went to a conference and I had the opportunity to meet Hal Looper, Dean Williams, Peter Ramick, Barry guitar, Walt Manning, basically a who's who of people who stutter at the time. And I had an opportunity at that moment. I was struggling with a lot of stuttering and, I was in master's program for speech pathology, so I knew a lot about speech production, your articulators, speech science, breathing, you name it. I've been working hard on my stuttering which drove me crazy at the time. And here I am at a lunch table and the only seat that was available was at the head of the table and sitting to my right was Dean Williams. Dean Williams is perhaps the person that I admired the most at the time after you watch the videos, the old black and white videos of Dean Williams and how he was able to build a rapport with a child and assist that child with their stuttering was absolutely iconic. And it still is, You you can find these videos of Dean Williams. So here I am, I'm at the end of the table and everyone I mentioned is all lined up and I muster up the courage to stutter through the question, Dr. Williams, I, 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 I was wondering, what is the secret to, 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 to stop stuttering? And the table was silent. He looked at me and all he said was, I'd want to know what I do when I stutter. And then there were crickets and I could tell everyone else was just, they kind of bit, they kind of bit their lip because he was such a sage man. His intellect was stuttering, was unbelievable. And that's all he said. I'd wanna know what I do when I stutter. And I got in my car, what a piece of garbage car back there in college, drive from Knoxville down to Atlanta. And I remember going through stages of almost like grieving that that's all he said. I mustered up that courage. I came up to Tennessee, to Knoxville, looking for the golden nugget on how to stop stuttering. And all he said was, I'd want to know what I do when I stutter. And about two and a half hours into the drive, it started dawning on me, like, what did he mean? And I started thinking about that I, there's more to stuttering than the actual stutter coming out of your mouth. It's the feelings and thoughts. And then later I learned about the before, the during, and the after. So I want to tell you, I came out of graduate school with a master's degree in 1992. And I was walking around with a white lab coat at a a hospital with my degree in speech pathology. And I had a relapse, an exacerbation, a regression. Depends what you want to call it. I had it. A lot of my stuttering came back to the extent I felt like I was back in high school. I'm not kidding. And I set myself up to fail because in graduate school, I thought when I get out of graduate school and I have my license to practice speech pathology, I can never stutter again because I have to be the authority on talking. A speech pathologist must be the best speaker on the planet, better than a news anchor, a politician, an actor, actress. That's what I thought, right? So I set myself up to fail, and I had a brutal first year practicing. I would go to the hospital, had my white lab coat with my name engraved on it or embroidered. And I would walk up to a doctor, a nurse, a a technician, anybody. And I imagine they were looking at my name tag. And as they heard me stuttered, were thinking, what a fraud. They'll hire anybody. Hey, guys, come on over. This guy stutters. Um, So I really, really had a rough, rough year, um, 1992 to 93. And I knew about, as I mentioned, speech mechanics, pullouts, easy onsets, cancellations, light contacts, and I knew the anatomy behind all of them, but I still had at least 10 situations where I was guaranteed to block. It wasn't sometimes it was all the time. And the degree it bothered me explains the work I put in to overcome it. And that's personal. Uh, when stuttering bothers somebody immensely they may dive in and really really work and john harrison john harrison is an example you could tell who really 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 worked hard at changing his thinking and feeling which translated into uh, the ability to speak with ease so before during and after what are we talking about before well A person who stutters can feel the stutter coming before it happens. It kind of runs on like a one to 10 scale. Let's pretend I sit down in a meeting and I'm feeling good about life, feeling good about the day. And all of a sudden the person in front of the room goes, hey, we're going to go around the room. And I want you to introduce the person next to you and tell us three things about him or her. And then they'll take their turn doing the same with you. If you're a person who stutters, that may be a 10 out of 10 on the panic scale. I don't wanna stutter, everyone's gonna find out I stutter. The person who I'm introducing may feel awkward. And as I project my thoughts and feelings on stuttering, I'm freaking out, I'm dissociated. My body's there, my mind is not. Now, If you dig into that moment further, I have gone back, my unconscious mind can do a scan to similar situations that created stuttering or avoidance, And the brain is able to connect one situation with a similar situation, which explains how people develop a phobia of a particular word or sound. Like a 45 year old might still be fearing his name at age 45 or his hometown, his alma mater. So before the stutter, the mind can reference similar moments, similar people and sounds And it can anticipate. Here's another example of long anticipation. Uh, A young man called me one time. He was engaged to be married at 10 months from the time when he called me. He called me because he was freaking out about doing his vows 10 minutes or 10 months from now. He was worried that everyone would find out he stuttered. That the bride's extended family would go, whoa, I didn't know she engaged somebody who stuttered, got engaged to someone who stutters. He also was thinking about my friends who knew me from childhood. They're going to hear all my stuttering I still have and wonder, you know, why haven't I made it better, dot, dot, dot. So 10 minutes, ten. I keep saying 10 minutes, 10 months before his wedding, he was already freaking out about stuttering. So there's the before the stutter phenomenon. If all the concentration of speech therapy is on the moment of the stutter, like sliding my tongue or my lips um, to ease the word out, the degree of anxiety can make it impossible to execute the sound or the word. Now let's talk about during the stutter. During the act of stuttering, there's a panic sensation in the soma often. The soma is the area between your chest and your stomach. And again, this runs on a one to 10 scale. Introducing myself in front of a crowd may create more anxiety than having a conversation with a friend and all of a sudden a word that begins with D crops up and I've always had trouble with D. Maybe that's a three out of 10 and I still have the stutter on the d word but during the stutter there can be panic in the soma anticipatory anxiety state anxiety people who stutter have social anxiety and each person who stutters has their personal list of words and sounds that make it difficult um foreign languages, if you speak two languages, you might discover that one is easier than the other or reading might be easier than the other, but you can have a panic in your body. And then the stutter comes up like a volcano rising up to your articulators, your tongue, your lips, or your voice. Then it's a question of how severe is the stutter? Is it a repetition or a block? Which one is it? A mistake you can make is to take a breath before your stutter, because if you fill up, then you hit the stutter, you're going to really have a significant stutter. Now, during the stutter, do you maintain eye contact? Do you look away? Which do you do? If you avert eye contact, you're projecting on your listener. You're wondering what their reaction is to your stutter. When you avert eye contact, you dissociate. Your body is there, your mind is left because you're wondering what the person's thinking or doing or making a facial reaction. So eye contact aversion is a during the stutter phenomenon. Also during the stutter, some of the unconscious thoughts can populate. We have an expression in neurosemantics. They're called frames, your frame of reference. So if I'm interviewing for a job, And I go to introduce myself, I walk in the person's, you know, their office, I sit down and I introduce myself. Some of the possible unconscious thoughts could be, I don't want to stutter. She'll notice. It'll be a check against me. She'll question my competence or how I'll present myself with customers. So these are the unconscious thoughts that can occur right during the moment of the stutter. Frames are what we're called textured or stacked up. The first thought is, you know, I don't want to stutter. Second, if I do, they'll notice. Third, if they notice, they'll judge me as a candidate. You see how thoughts go vertical. If somebody says, when I stutter, I get embarrassed, the question is, how do you get embarrassed, not why? So these are things that happen during the stutter. What if I begin to block and then my negative thoughts open up. I start to project on my listener. I start word changing and avoiding and putting ums in. I adopt a posture with my body. I lean forward. I make it really tense. I am now in this, what's called the stuttering state. And I can perpetuate it for the next 30 minutes, maybe the next half a day. The cognitive stuff is going on with the physical stuff. If any of you have played any sports, it's like you start playing a golf round and you hit a couple of bad shots and you begin to, you personalize it. And then you start thinking that your round is doomed. So during the stutter, you have the physical stutter, you have repeating, prolonging, blocking. Blocking is more significant because the air is cut off in the larynx. Blocks can be silent even. All these things happen during the stutter. We talk about after the stutter, it's easy for me to attach negative thoughts and feelings to the moment of stuttering. We have an expression called the three P's, punctuate, personalize, and pervasive. I start a job and I stutter a lot with my team of employees I begin projecting on particular people like my boss, my manager. So I'm punctuating the stutter with frustration or embarrassment. I'm personalizing it. I should be able to say these words and then it becomes pervasive. This could be a, my, that story could be a kid who's in third grade. He's trying out for a play. And when he does, he begins to stutter and he's embarrassed. So he punctuates the stuttering with embarrassment. He takes it personally, and then it becomes pervasive. Every day at play practice, he comes in with anxiety. I've heard bad stories of people then wanting to change the lines to accommodate him. I don't think that's a good measure. So I think it's better to deal with the stutter, help the child, and keep the words. We can't change words and lines for the rest of our life, can we? back to john he's got a book called redefining stuttering and you can get it at mnsu.com or amazon redefining stuttering it's 630 some pages and at the mnsu website you can get it for free which is incredibly nice of john before during and after that's the anatomy of the moment of stuttering let's take a moment we'll go to a registration desk a kid is walking up for soccer clinic dance clinic gymnastics clinic or whatever like you walk up there's people behind the table you're supposed to walk up give them your name and get your badge or check in sign in if you stutter that's hard because you're walking up, you have to give your name, and everyone's listening. See, there's a before, a during, and an after in that moment, isn't there? Ordering food. the I'm seated with some people I don't know, and the server comes up. And I somehow get out the word honey mustard, but the server turns around, forgot what, what dressing I wanted, comes back. I'm sorry, what kind of dressing did you want? And I'm, now I'm in the spotlight. Everyone's listening. I'm worried I'm going to stutter. And I have a huge block on honey mustard. So we look at before the stutter, I can have difficulty talking in front of strangers. I can have difficulty with honey mustard. And so that plays into before. And then during, I push the H really hard, uh, honey mustard. Afterwards, I can be wondering what everyone thought. So that's a, again an example of before, during, and after. So, I hope this helps people understand better the anatomy of the moment of a speech block, so that as you as you help yourself or help someone else in stuttering, that you understand this phenomenon, and that. CBT, which is called Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, should complement speech pathology in helping people who stutter. Some of these things are brought up today are on previous podcasts. There's one specific to eye contact aversion. There's one specific to how people develop specific fears. There's one about memory. There's one about stop asking why and ask how, how did I stutter? And this phenomenon of before, during, and after the anatomy of the speech block really resonates with the question of how did it happen? When I went to Starbucks and I was about to order and the barista took over from the side, startled me and asked my name and I had a big block, how did that happen? So you want to become an investigator, CSI, communication scene, investigation, find out what are you thinking and feeling before a stutter? What do you think and feel after? And what's going on in your mind and body during the stutter? That is what I learned in Knoxville, Tennessee in approximately 1990, is I'd want to know what I do when I stutter. Thank you so much.